a three-judge panel from the D.C. District Federal Appeals Court rejecting Donald Trump's appeal in the January 6th election subversion case. Their unanimous decision laying waste to his claim of absolute immunity for crimes he may have committed while in office, especially crimes to help him stay there. Unless, that is, he'd already been impeached and convicted by Congress first, which sounds outlandish even to say now absolute criminal immunity, but was chilling to hear during oral arguments last month when Judge Florence Pan confronted a Trump attorney with the implications. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so your answer is, is no. Is. And Judge Pan's answer to that, along with her two colleagues, was unanimous and unequivocal. Quoting now from their unsigned opinion, presidential immunity against federal indictment would mean that as to the president, the Congress could not legislate, the executive could not prosecute, and the judiciary could not review. We cannot accept that the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. The court also put the former president on an accelerated timeline, giving him until Monday to file an emergency stay with the Supreme Court, after which the clock would start running again on his trial before Judge Tanya Chutkin. Joining us now is Harvard Law School Professor Lawrence Tribe, constitutional scholar, Supreme Court litigator, and author most recently of To End a Presidency, The Power of Impeachment. So Professor Tribe, can you just put into further perspective the, the importance, the magnitude of this ruling? Anderson, I think today's ruling was historic, to put it mildly. It's the first time an appellate court has had occasion to consider the rather extravagant claim that being president puts you above the law, enables you to commit crimes, at least when they are within the outer perimeter of your office. But actually, in Trump's case, he was making the even more remarkable claim that he could commit crimes regardless of whether he was doing it in his official capacity. All of those arguments that he made to put himself above the law were dismembered piece by piece methodically in this historic opinion, which as you've indicated is likely to be studied by law students for generations, especially because there's very little reason for the US Supreme Court to weigh in. Why do you say that? Well, the argument is airtight, it's bulletproof. It's not in conflict with the decision of any other circuit. And it establishes a principle based on widely agreed upon ideas about the separation of powers and the proposition that crimes committed by anyone, including a president when in office, especially the crime of trying to deprive the voters of the ability to replace you with someone else. Those crimes must result in trial and either an acquittal or a conviction. They can't simply go into the ash can of history. And there's nothing the Supreme Court of the United States could add to that. If there were a gap in the reasoning of this opinion, if it left important issues unanswered, if it was ambiguous, if it was over the top in some way, mm. if it didn't take seriously all of Trump's arguments, then maybe there'd be reason for the Supreme Court to weigh in. Now, the only reason to weigh in would be delay. 
and everyone knows that in this case, justice delayed could well be justice denied. The ruling also said, and I'm quoting, it would be a striking paradox of the president who alone is vested with the constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. So if the Supreme Court, you don't think, has any grounds to take up the appeal, um, and there's this accelerated deadline for him to appeal, what sort of timing, I mean, how soon do you think, what, what, what happens next? Well, what happens next is that the former president rushes to get his motion for a stay accompanied by a petition for certiorari for review by the Supreme Court into the court a week from today. The Supreme Court then proceeds to deny review probably within a week or at most two or three weeks. If it were to grant review, that would slow things down, but not necessarily so much as to prevent a trial before the election. But it would slow things down enough to create a real risk that this case would never come to trial. Because if Trump assumes office in, in January of 2025, the first thing he's going to do is get rid of the federal criminal prosecutions against yeah. him. Well, who on the Supreme Court decides whether or not to, to do a review? Well, the Supreme Court will make that decision quite quickly, but there's, as I say, no reason to think it would grant review. Most of the experts agree with, with me that the odds are better than 50-50 that the Supreme Court would just let the remarkably careful, thorough, respectful decision of this unanimous three-judge panel, uh, let it be the last word. There's no reason for it to review. If it were, as I said, to decide to review the case, it could put it on an accelerated track. Either way, we're going to get an eventual decision in this case, unless the Supreme Court basically disgracefully just lets it drag out. Now, you know, there are people who thought that the three-judge district, uh, the three-judge court of appeals was acting unfairly by letting it drag out just for this month. Mm -hmm. But I must say, even though I was one of those who was impatient to get the result, it seems to me that it would have been almost humanly impossible to write as careful, thorough, decisive, and bulletproof an opinion as this court did in less than a month. It seems to me it did a remarkable yeah. job. I can't imagine it having done as well if it had rushed the, to judgment. The, the former president said in reaction to the ruling that without immunity, the presidency would lose its power and will be, quote, consumed by the other branches of government. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me, and it made no sense to this three-judge court. But again, they dealt with it respectfully. They said if that were the case, then we would expect prior presidents to have run amok and committed all kinds of crimes. But because they assumed they were not immune, they were more restrained than this president. Mm. Former presidents assumed that they could be prosecuted. Gerald Ford certainly assumed that Nixon could be prosecuted. That's why he gave him a pardon. Same thing in, a, in the case of other presidencies. Yeah. What this court did was basically say, 
that Donald Trump is announcing that if he becomes president again, he wants the freedom to commit any crimes that advance his own interests, undeterred by the prospect that he is just citizen Trump when he leaves office. He's basically announcing, as this court described it, announcing an intention, not just to be a dictator, but to be a criminal in chief. Mm. That's not a very appealing position to be taking. Lawrence Stryber, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Anderson. We're now with more reporting on the reaction in Trump world. Seeing as Caitlin Collins, who anchors the source at the top of the hour. The former president already been fundraising off this. What are you hearing? They expected this decision. They didn't think that it was going to go in their favor, especially the, how that day went when the judges were kind of right. uh, eviscerating every argument. That the SEAL Team attorney, 6 assassination yeah, argument. Which didn't go well. A lot of them would argue privately that, that that argument, the way he handled that, saying that hypothetically, yeah, that could happen unless he was impeached and then convicted by the Senate, didn't go well. What surprised them was how they got boxed in by the timing here, because that is almost as important as the substance of this ruling from these three judges, including Democrat and Republican appointees, I should note, is they say that Trump's team has until next Monday, not very much time, to respond to the Supreme Court and file that emergency request to, to basically pause this decision. And if they don't take that, obviously, then we could potentially see this case start back up again. But they're basically saying you only have a few days. They're, they're kind of eliminating this tactic that Trump and his team have been using all the time right. to delay, 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 make these appeals that they don't even know if they'll win on, but just making them in hopes Do they of seem confident that, that the Supreme Court would take up the case on appeal? You know, it's interesting because I have been talking to a lot of people in his orbit about this, lawyers, non-lawyers, previous lawyers alike. They sounded confident that the Supreme Court before it came out today would take it up. Mm. It seems to have been a shift since this has come out, a question now that is being raised of whether or not it is, as Mr. Tribe said, they're going to be such a, a sound ruling that the Supreme right. Court He says it's bulletproof. It. Yeah, that they look at it. George Conway is saying it's you know airtight, that they look at it and say, well, maybe that's what we would write or mm. we wouldn't disagree with that. I think the big question for Trump's team tonight, they will definitely appeal this by Monday. It's not clear when exactly, but they have to do it by Monday. What argument do they make before the Supreme Court? Because if you read through this 57-page ruling, they eviscerate every single argument that his attorney made in front mm. of the federal appeals court.